and welcome to the gray area where I give interviews with developers, talk about gaming news and reviews, and focus on the interrelationships between gamers. My name is Genesee Gray and this is the 56th episode in a weekly series called The Mass Effect. Here with me are John and Daniel. Welcome guys to the show. Hi. <laughs> oh god, is that how it's gonna be? Hi. Meh. <laughs> Meh. You're welcome. Meh. <laughs> yes, thank you so much for being here. I think that later on, this might come up in multiplayer where it's going to be like, I did the show with you, so now you're required to, like, res me even though I'm standing next to a turret or something. I'm hitting spacebar and you're not coming. Is this what I did the podcast for? (laughs) Right. (laughs) All right. Future favors understood. Okay. Last week's episode was a discussion with Lance, the community manager from Tryon Worlds, about the new MMO RTS game called End of Nations. Please visit www.genesee.com to add to the forum discussion on that topic and to tell me your story. Today is Wednesday, February 29th, weird and wild. And today, again, we speak with John and Daniel, and we're going to speak about the Mass Effect 3 multiplayer game and also some news of the week. So let's get to that. News of the week. SimCity 5 is due in 2013, uh, so they say, and they suggest that the fifth core installment is going to have um, a new game engine, multiplayer, and non-linear roads. So SimCity is pretty classic. It's been a while since we've seen that. So. I remember SimCity 2000. That yeah. was like my first SimCity game. But I'm, I'm confused. Non-linear roads? Yeah, I don't know what <laughs> non-linear roads mean. Like, curvaceous did roads? Ever, <laughs> did you ever have multiplayer before? No. I, no. I don't even no. know how that would happen. It's like, don't they you build have two something like that? It's called civilization? <laughs> that's right. That's pretty much exactly what they have. I guess they're going to... That's the way of, of the real-time strategy, it seems like. They're all kind of going MMO. It's the cool new, <laughs> the new thing, well, you know? If 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 we can speculate on this, we could say that you build two rival cities and then you just launch disasters at each other. <laughs> that was the thing about SimCity, right? Like the storm, tornadoes, and aliens and stuff. Random. Yeah, yeah. You, you just build a, like an awesome city. Destroy their own town in a more satisfying way. <laughs> yes. Let me provide you the means to take out my city. Okay. The Silent Hill High De- Definition Collection has been delayed further. Um until March 20th, so not that far for now. And it's going to come out on Xbox 360 and PS3, and we'll have remastered versions of the original, uh, well, not the original, but Silent Hill 2 and 3, and those were for the PS2 originally. So if you're a Silent Hill fan, it's going to come out this month. Be excited. I love this series a lot, and I wish wish they had the first one in there, and then I would guarantee buy it and play it. I've played two... Um, I didn't play three because I never played one, and I played four. Well, you played two, but you didn't play one. What was the holdup? It that was just a replacement game because I hated Devil May Cry so much. I returned it. <laughs> it's the only time I ever returned a game, and I like demanded another game, and I oh. got Silent Hill instead because at least everyone said that was good. Can you I do really that? Enjoyed- you can return a game and say this sucks so bad. I demand another one. That was it. Was a different time then. Oh. Now they don't care. 
<laughs> they don't care about your gaming pleasure. It's like, we're not running a rental place. Sort of. <laughs> I think I played the original uh, for a little while, and then it got too scary. And then I watched the movie, of course, and you've heard before when you're playing with me that our fire siren in the town sounds exactly like the Silent Hill alarm. It's the exact yes. same alarm. And I, heur I heard it. It was very disturbing. <laughs> it is very disturbing, especially the first week after I saw the movie. I was just freaking out every time there was a fire, looking for the red walls and stuff. I'm, I'm confused. Why do they announce to everyone that there's a fire? It's like a, a child setting fire to ants and going, hey, look, everyone, that one's actually on fire this time. <laughs> I don't know. It's it, like a it town draws alarm. an audience. Well, I think what they're trying to say is there's about to be three big-ass fire trucks screaming out of this building, so you may want to, like, back up or something. I assume that's the purpose, because they're going to well, go I, flying out of there. I would have figured that the, the fire engine um, yeah. sirens would have done that for them. but That's true. No, 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 that is odd, isn't it? Do you not have fire sirens go off in your town? No, 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 not really. We just just got the fire alarm, the 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 alarms on the um, like it, it, like the to individual buildings, and I guess they've got a fire alarm in the city if it's like a major fire. Mm -hmm. But I mean, it's never really gone off. Huh. Well, maybe it's just we have a uh, tornado alarm, and we have really over eager. Um, people in this city that just feel like they're never going to use that because we're sitting here, like, you know, not even on a coast. We're kind of in the middle of the, the east, and there's no way we're probably going to get a tornado ever, so they maybe just use that for any kind of alarm. <laughs> I don't know. They have to justify that yearly. That's right. <laughs> How many times <laughs> Oh my god, used? the carnival's coming! Better press the alarm! <laughs> yeah. No one pays any attention to it anymore. Yeah. So when there is actually like a big apocalyptic fire coming, you're just like, eh, whatever. It's the siren that cries. Like wolf. tornado is coming, and it's like, meh, meh. It's just some. <laughs> it's yes. just a fire. Just a fire. <laughs> Back to the news. Gravity Rush, which is an action game uh, for Sony's new portable PlayStation Vita, so jealous, is due June twelfth, and uh, this is following a. Initial launch in Japan, which was this month, but now we have to wait until June 12th for it. Borderlands 2 says that it is coming um, to Steamworks. Uh, Gearbox software teams with Valve for the Steam achievements, DLCs, auto-updating, matchmaking, and Steam cloud support for Borderlands 2. Which will make Cesar happy because he loves that game. Yeah. I, I, I never really got that far in Borderlands. If you guys ever have a Borderlands game, you should be sure to invite me, because my poor soldier did not make it anywhere. <laughs> well, he made it too far with my friend, and then he stopped playing with me. And then, so I'm stuck in this incredibly difficult area with no ammunition, and I can't escape. Okay, well, we could play that. I've done it a little bit on single-player uh, Borderlands 2, but not really in co-op ever. It, uh, see, I yeah, couldn't I get by with it in single-player. It's very boring and i like this is meant to be multiplayer it just had that feel i quit playing after a while i mean after a while it was just like uh shoot all the things shoot it's all really, the things it's just i know it, it, there's it no lacks payoff, that sort of it just lacks that sort of um vitality that most other mmos have like there's nothing really happening in the world um not to mention that i had major connection issues when I was trying to play Borderlands with a friend. Um, like, I just kept getting dropped out of my... I think it's like 
GameSpy or something that runs it, mm-hmm. yeah. the, the, the hosting, and every time I connect, like, after about 30 minutes, I'd drop out, and I just couldn't play the game, so... Um, yeah, I played yeah, with my friend in Japan, stop. and we, we, we know that feel. <laughs> I thought Claptrap was mildly amusing, but otherwise, anything that, that has a flashing dot on a map that I have to get to and isn't intuitive about where buildings are or where other stuff is generally frustrates me in games. Because it's hopefully- flashing? Well, you had an objective point, like you need to go pick this up and here's where it is on the map and it's like a little marker on the map and the marker is, you know, downstairs, three floors in the middle of a building that you can't really tell how to get to and I just kept wandering around the map like, I don't understand how to get to where they're trying to get me to get. I think the other thing that sort of, that really got to me was that I was driving back and forwards for for most of the game. It's like, okay, cool, we do all these quests, now come back, oh, we're going to go out again, and it's just driving backwards and forwards, backwards and forwards, and the guys would just keep respawning, and you just keep hitting them with a the car. <laughs> I never got to the car part. I guess that gets old after a while, but I did enjoy that part. <laughs> you like the running over part? Yes. Uh, okay. The simple joys of video Twisted gaming. metal fan, are you? Because if you did it again in real life, you'd go to jail. <laughs> I know, because there's so many people that deserve to be hit by cars. <laughs> but not those animals. Especially the animals, those sons of guns, getting in the He would tires. do the same to you if they had chance. <laughs> if they had and cars thumbs. and opposable thumbs. I've just got this imagery of a koala behind a tractor. <laughs> <laughs> Screaming in its high koala voice. Damn you, Australians! Uh-huh. <laughs> Moving back Moving to where we're talking about. Doom 4 has been rumored uh, this whole week that it's going to be cancelled because there's been game art popping up online and that is not true. It's a rumor, so don't panic if you're looking forward to Doom 4. Apparently still is it not in the works. real game art either, or it is? Um, it says it's screenshots that allege to be from the game, but it doesn't necessarily confirm that or deny that. But either way, even though there's screenshots appearing... Um, says it's not been scrapped. Has so. it been scrapped because of id and Bethesda aren't getting along? I thought I heard something about that. Well, Kotaku says, well, there's conflicting reports. Some sites say that this is the report of the rumor, but that it's not likely. And other sites are all about, you know, why would this screen footage be on the internet if that wasn't the case? And this is an inside insider telling you the actual story. Because last October they said it was indefinitely postponed, um, people kind of are freaking out about it now. And it says Bethesda had shot that down and said it's just going to be done when it's done. It wasn't indefinitely postponed. It's just taking longer to finish than they want. Um, So I don't know. I don't really know what's going on. I thought, like, uh, Rage underperformed and now they're on... Their relationship is on thin ice. Oh, okay, I see. So th- I don't know. I don't know. That's just the rumor I heard. But whose fault would it, would that be? Because it, uh, it underperformed. Like I, I actually was privileged enough to see. Um, uh, what's his name? Tim. Um, Tim Willets. Yeah. No, Tim Willets from ID. Give a give a talk on. He's one of the designers for for Rage. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know. When I saw the demo of the game, it seemed like it was really well done, really polished. There was a lot of um, homage to previous id games as well, um, including uh, Castle Wolfenstein. And it seemed really well done, but then Mm -hmm. something happened between that point and when they released it, where 
there's just been this big, massive blunder, and there have been all these issues, like texture issues. I, I think they released the wrong, um, the wrong game at one point, which was like there's like a a developer's copy, and then there's like the actual client copy, um, and they ended up releasing like the 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 producers or the developers copy. Um, instead of the actual client copy. Like, this is all online, by the way, so it's online purchase. Oh, I read about that. I think I did read about that at the time. Didn't they have to, like, patch it with yeah. something that would turn it to the client version? Yeah, so, you know, they've, they've you know, bundied it up somewhere, and so, you know, I think maybe they just sort of stumbled, and that's caused some sort of strain between the two companies, but, I mean, I don't see... It didn't really do that badly, did it? Like, I didn't see the, the charts for it, like... Let's, let's still I think it had hi- they had high expectations for it, it being like the first id game in a very long time, and they had a really big push for it. Um, but I I do kind of remember the, the reviews of it not being so great, mm-hmm. um, mainly because of the ending. Like the game is beautiful and it's crafted well, and it has all these handmade touches that really set it apart. And this this long opening sequence that sucks you in, and then they totally phone in an ending and will probably turn it into DLC and people felt cheated. I think it was the gist of it. I guess uh, it comes down to whether we as players are starting to expect too much from games now. I think we expect too much from post-apocalyptic games. And <laughs> well, <laughs> no, something just that genre they're, only. They've been done. Like, today I picked up Fallout 3 and, you know, I finished downloading it. Um, oh, that's awesome. Yeah, it, it is, but, you know, it's just one of the many other post-apocalyptic games that's out there, and, you know, I, I've i played the game before, and, you know, I thought I'd play it again just so I could stick dynamite in people's pockets. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's it's still... What, what true ending can come out of a post-apocalyptic scenario? Um, Usually three. The world... <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Well, apparently, no. Sorry, four because there's New Vegas as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but usually but, there's uh, options at the end. You're good, middle, bad. No, oh, I'm always good, always. Anyway, that's off. That's off topic. Edit that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I demand it. <laughs> um, but you know, it's it's the same deal over and over. The world is still going to be this wasteland after nuclear fallout and. You know, there's not much you can really do to progress from from that point. Like, regardless of what the character does in that scenario, it's still the world is still going to be this desolate wasteland filled with mutant rabbits that want to gnaw on your testicles. And yeah, well, if there's like a nuclear war, which you know, that's not not like that's not unlikely. But I do like the games that have a world where like nature has kind of reclaimed it back. And, and, you know, mm-hmm. the relics of humanity. I think, uh, what was that one based on, like, Odyssey to the West or something like that? With uh, Enslaved. Game. Yes, like, that one had that kind of look. And I, I really love those Project Trico games, like Ico and Shadow of the Colossus, which is, like, way, yeah. like, it's almost archaeology while you're, you're yeah, exploring the, ruins and stuff. I, I love the, that. The difference being between that and saying, like, post-apocalyptic as we know it is that um, those are sort of, I wouldn't say removed, they're sort of um, forward in time, I guess. Yeah. Um, it's it's not quite like 
for example, Fallout 3 sits at 2027, um, and it's just sort of in that area where, you know, things have just happened and everything is, is a wreck. Um, and at this point in time, I think everyone's still trying to pick up the pieces in a story context. You know, everyone's still come out and gone, oh, crap, you know. Right. Came out too early. Um, and there's there's still so much that needs to be done before the, that sort of stage progresses on to a point where um, things can start happening again. Um, but that if, that's and- if you're a strictly Earth content. I mean, look at Bioshock Infinite or something like that. I mean, they've taken you from that sort of post-apocalyptic underwater world kind of scenario to now a cloud world. They're just moving locations and hoping that it's going to be better in those locations. Fallout's kind of stuck because it's more realistic about the actual Earth and they can't really, you know, leave there. Yeah, but but Bioshock was was relatively contained to one area being wrecked. There was no apocalypse in the Bioshock games, right? It's just this weird isolated place that went horribly wrong. Well, yes. Except for the fact that she went insane and started, like, experimenting with, you know, crazy alternate gene therapy or whatever and mutating everybody into nasty stuff. Well, it was still contained just the one city. I think with with things like Fallout, you know, you, you do have a story there. You have a story for the character, but it can only really go so far. Um, and if you look at it in the grand scheme of things, you know, the of the world that... The, the character inhabits, um, it, it really means very, very little because whatever their actions have achieved doesn't... It's like a, a pond... Uh, sorry, it's like a drop of water in the ocean. It, it really doesn't leave a ripple at all because, you know, you've got all these other waves going on. Um, and that was a really twisted metaphor, I know. Um, but... It makes sense. Like it, it, it doesn't really relate to a whole lot outside of just that one character. They don't really end up saving the world because the world is already dead. Um, well, which Fallout was it at the end where you had a, a choice where you could stay inside the reactor and and shut it off, or you could send your companion in to do it, or you could just not do it? Which one was that at the end? Do you remember? Where you couldn't go? You couldn't go back to I the didn't finish it. Okay, I won't. I won't spoil it then. <laughs> it's okay. I am not one who freaks out about spoilers. Okay, I think it was Fallout Two, but it, but it could have been Three. I don't want to spoil it for you. But there is a there is a let's say impact by your actions. Um, it's not a global impact, but there is something you have to strive for. I, I, I thought Three was pretty widespread. You could affect a massive change that saved a lot of people. Mm-hmm. I think you'll see. Perhaps you'll like this better, Daniel, because you won't feel so frustrated with your small changes in three. Well, no, I, I'm not. I'm not so much talking about for like any game in specific. I'm just saying as a as a genre, mm-hmm. um, post-apocalyptic games feel like they're they're very disconnected. Like even though they're sort of kind of relating to the same sort of world, I mean, it's still still a wasteland. Um, and the actions of the character don't really seem to um, have, like, a major, major effect on, on, like, if, for example, the character did something and then a whole zone changes to reflect that action, like, you know, he shuts off some major, major um, source of radiation, mm-hmm. next thing you know, that area has become, sort of started to, to grow greenery again. It's, it's you know... Na- like John said, nature reclaiming that area. Um, 
and like there's a, a reflection of 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 what the character has done, and it's like a a visual achievement. Um, maybe like, like a, a sequel, like if there was a return, yeah, to like right. DC a so, hundred years later, like to see things that you've done, like in a weird Mass Effect kind of way. If you could save your save from Fallout Three into a fourth Fallout and revisit a place. Well, don't so, you think uh, nuking the town pretty much gave you some difference in the in the visual of? How could you nuke the town? Because <laughs> I'm horrible and evil. <laughs> that is, I, I couldn't live with that choice. I had to reload. I did it wow. several ways. Let's just say I played it through several times. Those um, dirty megaton people deserve to die. Die megaton. <laughs> but you know, like I was going to say, you know, come back, you know, Fallout Five, come back to Megaton, and like the that part of the world has sort of changed. Like it's you know gone from being this big smoldering crater. Um, where the bomb has gone off to like a, a like a lush oasis, like the radiation has caused some sort of mutant growth in the plant life, mm. and it's bolstered and you know still got radioactive water there. Um, it's like a yeah a radioactive oasis. It's it's still lush and green, but it's obviously got side effects from from what's happened. Um, and I know that's, that's, that's a, there's a difficulty in that, in implementing that into a game because, you know, it'd have to take in past choices or whatever. Right. Um, but, you know, it's, it's those sorts of, like, we never see the world get any better. It's still the same bland, desolate wasteland, um, that, that's, that the player is presented to. And I think it gets a little bit tiring looking at a lot of brown but and really never dirty green. that long into, into that. Storylit. It would have to be more about the place than the the person. Well, but why not make it about like the place? You're definitely right that decisions people make. It's not about the greenery or the location or the landscape. It's all about the people, the choices they reflect. Mm -hmm. They don't really ever affect the, the landscape. I don't know how hard. I'll have to ask you if that's hard as a game designer. Maybe it's too difficult. I always. Uh, my frustration is it's like everything is dystopian. Every futuristic game like that is this horrible negative view, and you do feel hopeless as a player in it. I think that's might be the crux of what the complaint is. And so when a game shows you something, you know, even if by nature there is some hope, like, of things growing again, um, or people surviving, I'd like to see that story. And, and mm -hmm. ironically, I do, like, have some stories set in that kind of world where you know, people are trying to rebuild from that because you always see the end or, you know, just as things fall apart, but you never see the people trying to rebuild it. They always fast forward through that part. All right. Well, before we uh, move on to the other news, I do want to ask you, Daniel, as a game developer yourself, a lot of times the thing right now with Mass Effect 3 everybody's going on about, and we'll talk about in a little bit, is that your decisions actually affect outcomes in the game with different races and things will change based on your decisions. And that's what the the new gamer wants. They want to see their stuff actually um, visually make a difference in the game. And that sounds like a lot about what you're talking about, except for you're focusing more on landscape and um, the visuals of the terrain. How difficult is it to make it so that um, you're almost instance where instance where each player, um, their decisions will change visuals in the game? Or is that just too complicated right now? And that's why we, we focus pretty much just on characters' reactions. It's it's a it's a varied answer. I mean, if you, we're, given the the technology we have at the moment, 
I mean, I I wouldn't say it's it's past us um, or it's before us. Um, I think we could we could do it. It's definitely something that is uh, available. It's just a matter of how we would implement it. Um, World of Warcraft kind of did it, I guess, with their phasing technology, and that's the sort of thing that we would need to look at putting into games where um, the choice then triggers one of two phases. Like, for example, in Mass Effect, um, deciding to save the the council in Mass Effect 2 uh, or Mass Effect 1 um, resulted in, you know... Um, a, a, an all-species council and, you know, having humans put onto the council as well. But um, imagine, if you will, you know, choosing not to save the council and the whole one end of the Citadel is just lopped off because um, people have started fighting and, and pushed the Reapers back or the Collectors back or whatever. Um, but just one end, that, that that's something that's sort of epic in its own sense, like Wow, my my decision not to save them has has ultimately ended up in losing thousands of lives as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think what needs to happen is that developers need to t- and you know this is just coming from an amateur designer, mind you, and a player. Um, we need to look at tying the story into the landscape and into the NPCs as well, and tying it all together. It's not just about the character. And their solo journey through through a wasteland or through space or through a fantasy land. It's about the people that the, the, the player interacts with along the way and the environments that they they trek through and how their decisions can ultimately change the world. I mean, a hero does that sort of thing. They change the world through their through their choices and through the way that they they, they need to act, and I think um, it's it's the technology is there. We just need to find a way to to put it into games. Um, and isn't, and make isn't it that fit. what Guild Wars Two is doing though? If you've been watching any of those like developer videos, yes and no. I mean, like again, it's too hard to change the landscape because there's just too much. Um, like it, when when I say change the landscape. I mean, um, like, a visible transformation. So instead of having lush trees everywhere, it turns into a burning forest or, like, a you know, a, a wasteland or something, to use that sort of comparison. With 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 those sorts of games, MMOs in particular, it's a, a lot of it's just phasing. So instead of um, changing how the, the place looks, um, it just changes the, the actors on the stage. So, you know, at one minute, you know, the bad guys might be inhabiting the area and then you do a, a course of actions which then make it that the, the good guys hold the area and, you know, things change a little bit that, you know, it might end up being um, a camp full of knights and, and, and archers preparing for another battle. And, I mean, there's no real change in the scenario, in the environment around them. It's still the same, you know, icy cliff that everyone's been fighting over for generations. Mm-hmm. Um it's just that the actors have changed. the 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 scenery is uh is a little bit different. The world is still the same. Do, yeah, am I making my point, point clear? Sense. We could yeah. go on about that for a while, and I would like to talk about it at some point. But um, I want to move to the 
uh, Kingdoms of Amalur Reckoning DLC, which I'm pretty excited about, and I don't know if you know about yet. Um, right before I get to that, I want to announce that the game, the anticipated game by a lot of people, A Secret World, is going to launch on June 19th. They've been very vague about the actual launch date, and it's been pushed <laughs> back <laughs> from when it was supposed to come out, which I thought was April. Um, the new date is June 19th, and that will allow them to... Uh, they said complete it a little bit more thoroughly. So, um, so anyway, check that out. And now to the pirate-themed DLC, which is called The Legend of Dead Kel, and that will come out March 20th. Um, it's an expansion pack, and it has new territories, uh, an island. Dead Kel is a pirate, naturally. And you also have Captain Bradigan, who's uh, another character that you get to have kind of as a companion. Uh, she fights with you and stuff like that. And... It looks pretty fun. Um, I haven't gotten through the original Kings of Amalur, so I'm not like dying for content yet, but if you're a faster player than I am, you may be finished and uh, want to go to Gallows End and, and see the beautiful scenery that they've made. Very nice looking. What's your thoughts, Daniel? Um, I'm still trying to grind through the game, to be honest. <laughs> um, <laughs> so when I heard about Kingdoms of Amalur, I was like, yeah, this, this looks really cool, you know, chakras, woo! <laughs> Xena Warrior. <laughs> um, but, but when I found out that Kingdoms of Amalur is a really long game, um, <laughs> like really long, um, I was both a little bit surprised and I don't know, I mean, depends on how open um, this new DLC is um, in regards to the world. Um, cause, you know, we, we were talking about this, you know, off mic before how it feels a little bit fable-esque, like it's very mm -hmm. linear. Um, you still have that sort of exploration element, but it's, it's still very linear in, in how you can move around. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, the reason I want this so badly, um, if I want it at all, is because you get this house eventually called Gravehall Keep. And you can actually uh, build facilities onto this house. So it's not like the others that you have where, you know, kind of just stash your stuff there, or just hang out or whatever. You can have a stable where you can get actual pets and put them in there. And then um, you tame them. How awesome is that? There's a bear and a spider. Um, and they give you different boosts to your items. Like, uh, I think the spider gives you a health boost or something like that and, and improved poison resistance. And then you get to to feed them and take them with you. That's a lot of serious so, DLC in one. I know. There's an armory, a painter, scout, librarian, and diplomat, which carry out your activities, it says. And it all comes back to you, so. I, th this, I think this is what we've been asking for um, as players for not just this game, but for, for most games. It's like an evolution in gameplay. Um, it's sort of gone, okay, hey, we've got this Kingdoms of, of Amalur. It's pretty pretty well received, how can we make it better? In this case, pets... Um, you Skyrim know, Companions. Yeah, <laughs> Skyrim Companions. It's almost like um, 
Star Wars The Old Republic companions. You give them yes. tasks and they go off and do do what you, you told them to because they're little... I won't say the word on, on, on mic, but... Um, <laughs> yes, they are. They're, they're, they're compliant little... Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's like, it's like an evolution in gameplay and I, I actually, you know, I kind of like it. To, to see that they've, they've done this and, you know, we can actually expect something better. Yes. Well, it's nine ninety nine, which isn't bad, I don't think. And uh, It's about the same amount as, as all those other crappy weapons that I bought. <laughs> the, the weapons pack <laughs> for, what was it, five bucks or something? Something like that. Yeah. There are weapons in this, too. Let me see. It said, um, here, they have super-powered weapons. Um, there's a hammer made from a giant spine. And all sorts of uh, outlandish looks. It said, "So I, I must admit, I've got to, I've got to wonder why there is this really big obsession with making weapons out of people's bones. <laughs> it's happened in nearly every game that I've played. Yeah, I guess there's an intimidation factor about it. I wouldn't think I'll, it would make a good just weapon. A, I would run if I saw someone come at me with a giant spine. But uh, I, I guess I've se- I've seen people do it so many times. I'm like, who you, whose spine did you rip out now? Is that Jimmy's? Did you kill Jimmy? <laughs> yeah, it's not so intimidating when you imagine Jimmy was the spine that's coming at you. <laughs> uh, you know, I I I guess we've seen bones so many times. Why not make them out of something new? Why not make them out of flowers and then people are like oh you got a flower weapon and then you like beat them in the face and they're like oh oh my god it's a flower weapon <laughs> hmm. it's the most powerful weapon in the game I think the flower weapon I'd be very impressed with that yeah well I have a question though when did Kingdoms of Amalur come out mm-hmm. not, long not ago. too long ago uh, it was pretty recent February, wasn't it? I thought was it like a, a just a, a few weeks before S- Skyrim came out no, it came out after Skyrim. After Skyrim, yeah. And they've yeah, so they've it, kind of beat them to the DLC punch, which I think is pretty interesting. Well, that it's February seventh is when it was, or wait, yes. yeah, I believe. So it, the difference being though is is that Skyrim is a larger, open, more open world, and they need to do a lot more work in regards to adding on DLC because it means adding on like an entire new section of the map, whereas. Um, the DLC for Kingdoms of Amalur, it's really just adding another section with a, a loading loading screen in between. Right, it's an island um, and a cave, which I'm sure you can get to off the coast and then just ports you there, right? Yeah, but whereas... that Kingdoms of Amalur was really long. long is. as Longer than Skyrim? Just as um, in the main quest kind of way? Yeah, the storyline yeah. is a lot longer. Like, you have... When I say longer, I mean um, there's something like 600 hours of gameplay in Skyrim, but what the main quest line might might account for might only be like 20, 25 hours. Yeah. Um, you know, 600 hours comes up from all the crafting, all the the side quests, yeah. um, exploration, etc. Kingdoms of Amalur is a lot more streamlined. It's um, imagine. If Moving through uh, Fable Three, but with uh, like a God of War weapon system, I guess, with a combat system. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, the game is longer because it it sort of leads you through this this pathway, and it's not it's like walking around um, Skyrim and being sort of restricted to the road only, um, and you can only sort of 
run from point A to point B, and you can can't move on from point B until you've finished that area. Um, so you know you you've got to do the storyline to continue forward, or otherwise things start to get too hard. Um, you don't spend whereas, a lot of time crafting. I don't feel it's in this it's game. starting to sound like a poorly timed DLC. Like people just aren't done the game yet. So why would they? They're kind of you know blown well, a little too early <laughs> for lack of a better metaphor. If if people got the game on on February seventh and they've been playing it hardcore, then they're probably at that point where DLC is necessary. But I think they're they're going the route of it's probably better to have more content for people to continue playing once they've finished the main storyline. Mm-hmm. Um to then continue on and have something else to do while they work on the next piece of of of, of DLC. Um, you know, the the reason being is that they've probably had this DLC in the works from the time that Kingdoms of Amalur was also conceived. So yeah. they've probably said, okay, let's have Kingdoms of Amalur and we'll have the next DLC ready to go as well. So they've probably been working on both at the same time. And they thought things they couldn't finish by the time the game was released, and then they're like, well, let's just yeah. move that. DLC. Right. Well, also in Amalur, it's like you're you're pretty lonely uh, running around doing these quests. I mean, I I just finished the House of Ballads quest line, and uh, it would be really cool to have a companion to run around with you and pets and other things that could fetch things and do whatever they do in this game in the DLC. So maybe just for people that are getting a little bored with just the the straight you know fast travel run from town to town to town to town thing this would shake it up a little bit and give you some extra elements that would make you want to continue playing so that makes sense to me yeah it uh, makes as sense for, as for timing i think uh i mean they only released it february 7th so it's only been out less than three weeks yeah um very, very soon but i haven't played it die hard card core either well, when do they when i want when did they say they were releasing it june uh, march 20th March twentieth. So I mean, that's probably a little over a month since it's been released. Um, but then again, I mean, a lot of games have have launched with um, DLC in tow, and they've done pretty well. So I mean, I guess time can only tell. Mm-hmm. There's an article in Kotaku that is by Ray Muzaka, who's the co-founder of Bioware, and it gives a little bit of. I would say preview into what's going to happen in Mass Effect 3 and some of the questions that I had were answered by this. Um, he was talking about um, metagame and how people were concerned that some of their choices in the last Mass Effect 1 and 2 really didn't um, necessarily affect things. See, I only played Mass Effect 1 and 2 like one I didn't really get through a second or multiple playthroughs to see how long-lasting effects would change things. I wish I did. I wish I had, like, other saves. Okay. But is that, does that mean, like, most of these things are cosmetic? Because I'd be really disappointed. Because I thought I could make a lot, especially in, like, the last 30 minutes of Mass Effect 1. Like, you could drastically change your Mass Effect 2 game, or at least that's what my guess was. Well, in Mass Effect 2, you had the options to talk to your different crew members and upgrade certain things on your ships, and that would give you a better outcome at the end. You also had a chance to build relationships with people so that they would be able to survive, and that was the yeah. the kind of change that that you were able to 
to make, but it wasn't like a galactic difference. And there's something called galactic readiness that is in Mass Effect 3. And what he's saying is the galactic red- readiness shows the state of the galaxy. And here, here's his quote. It shows what resources you've got at this point, which regions are controlled, which ones aren't. And it gives you a sense of where to go. He says, you can go back and talk to the admiral um, and get some feedback on that and say things like, how are the Krogan feeling? And, that, and then you'll know based on your feedback from the admiral whether you need to go spend some more time with them. And he'll say, he says, you can say things like, our Cerberus allies... Um, and that way you know moment to moment like which part of the galaxy you need to focus on in order to get all of these pieces to be favorable to you. So now there is that galactic readiness, so you can check Which I've it. already done in Mass Effect 2. Like, I did keep that in mind. Right. Um, but I meant more like in Mass Effect 1, there were some global changes that you could do, like like Dan was saying earlier, killing the, the council right. and and, um, you know, all those, God, I don't, like, you could make that one guy instead of Anderson into the Admiral, and, like, I figured that would change a lot of the human stances towards other races. I think there were small things, like, I know if you, if you wanted better press about yourself, I think hitting the reporter probably wasn't the best choice, and there were certain stories that came out based on things you did to the galaxy, to their general feeling about you. Um, I don't know, like, how global some of that stuff was in, in the first one, mm-hmm. other than the choice of the whether humans are accepted into the uh, council or not. Did you feel they were really global? I was hoping they'd be, but I guess I'm... I never finished a second save, so I could just load it up and see, like, all right, well, how did, how did my asshole character just ruin everything for the <laughs> entire universe? I, I, I did want to try that at least once. Okay. Hmm. I don't know. I'll have to think about that and go back. It's been a long time since I played the first one. But it seemed like yeah. in Mass Effect 2, you could really lock out cooperation from a lot of races just by really being dicks to them. But I guess the complaint is, in Mass Effect 3, you can just start with a clean slate and then go and try to re-recruit races and... Maybe they don't care if you were mean to them in the past, or they don't care that you were really good to them and saved their entire species. <laughs> That's probably true. Well, I think, I don't know, how would you carry on? I guess you could load your save game from Mass Effect 2 and then have that effect Mass Effect 3, but that would kind of suck. I mean, you know, it would yeah. limit the game greatly. And I would love to see what happened if Shepard died. Like, your whole team died, including Shepard. Mm-hmm. But, like... They said <laughs> that like you was cannot play Mass Effect Three because you have no character. That'd be funny. They said that was a possibility, though. Like we will, that will take that into account in Mass Effect Three. And I'm like, I would like to see that. Well, Mass Effect Two, don't they reconstruct you from like you're blown up anyway, right? Doesn't the elusive man and Cerberus? Yeah. So it maybe it doesn't matter whether you survive the first one or not. And I don't. I don't like. Are they going to play that card twice? Really? Like Cerberus going to bring them back? Twi- <laughs> bring they didn't learn again. the first time. We can rebuild you. We have the technology <laughs> again. We also have the spare parts from the earlier attempts. And just slap <laughs> one together. For we'll it. just hang on to that. Okay, so that is the single player game of Mass Effect, and now let's move to the Mass Effect Three multiplayer and talk about some of our favorite characters and our gameplay together. All right. Uh, let's pick one character to discuss, our main, if you'd like. And yep. um, I'm going to go first because I have it up, if you don't mind. Uh, the main character I picked for my first one is a level 14 adept, and it's a human male. I I only have 
I have some females too, but I don't really have any other races. I haven't been lucky enough to unlock my veteran packs and get like awesome other races. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And the three things that I leveled with uh, my level 14 adept, whose name is Sexist, because I didn't have an option for female and I got ticked. (laughs) So I had him wear pink armor and pretend. Uh, His singularity, uh, which is leveled all the way up, and I love singularity because you can throw that at your enemies and it pretty much just lifts them up in the air and holds them still so you can shoot them. And at this point, singularity is leveled to the point where it will grab multiple enemies and also do damage at the same time, which is awesome. I love it. Which is annoying for an infiltrator. Just uh, yeah, it's a little hard to, to headshot him. But <laughs> I don't know. When I see the singularity in the field, I always feel like, yeah, you know, you're winning when one of those is out there and people are just flying around. It's got to be demoralizing for Cerberus to see their people. But they don't see the huge black like black hole sitting there in the middle of the. They just run right into it. Oh, what's that? Woo! I'm flying. So they've been conditioned to ignore those sorts of things. <laughs> I also... The devices are really dark and small. <laughs> I also love how the. Uh, Cerberus just screams at each other, like, all their plans out loud, really loud. Flank them! Flank them! Oh, I see them! You know, it's, it's lovely for us, but probably not the most effective tactic. Thanks for sharing, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, the, the second thing I like is warp, um, which affects them, it says, at a molecular level, but uh, it basically it just makes them die faster. It's just an ouchie. It's an ouchie. It rips them apart, and it stops them from regenerating health. So when they're in the singularity, they don't continue to to get their health back while they're getting I hit. I also think if you warp them, then um, other people do more damage to them with weapons. I think that's how oh, it works. Oh, that's possibly true. It, maybe it makes their shield drop a little bit or something. It does weaken armor. It does say that. So that's probably true. Um, and then Shockwave, which I don't use that often. Um, it's supposed to topple a row of enemies, but... Um, I haven't seen it actually do a whole lot, so I don't really use that. Uh, I played with a friend who had that, and um, he's using it really well with those guys with the shields, and he was knocking them back, and they're tossing their shield to the side and opening them up. Yes, that is the best use of it, because then you can get a shot or two behind the shield, and maybe you can take them out. I hate... uh, What are they called now? It's going to bother me. Guardians. 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 I hate the guardians with their shields, and and you have they're very difficult to take down. So that's a good one for that. Good point. Okay, and uh, my weapons of choice. I <laughs> we call it my sub. I call it my submarine gun. <laughs> it's a good submachine gun. gun. Submachine gun. Uh, it's M9 Tempest Two. Do you have the mods on that? Yes, actually, I have one mod on it. And it is the one that keeps it from overheating and it allows it to kick back a little bit less. Because that is the thing about the submarine, submarine, the submachine guns that they do kick really high. And so you have to have a really steady hand on the mouse and you have to just be kind of like diehard about clutching it and making sure that your crosshairs are where they should be. I I did get that mod that you're talking about on mine and it made a world of difference. Ah, nice. Nice. Okay. And then. The other weapon that I have is the assault rifle. And the one right now I'm using is the M76 Revenant 1. And I have two mods on that, actually. Um, The first one is a precision scope, which is nice because it makes it a little more accurate. Um, And also the second one is another counterweight. It keeps it from recoiling too bad. And I do like the assault rifle as well. Um, Again, it's it's my second choice, perhaps. um, Because the... 
submachine gun has 50. It holds a clip of 50, which is really nice. Um, and I don't know. I think it just has a little bit more power, so that's my preference. But I think it does more damage. It really the, the assault rifle is really weak. Okay. But go. it's much more accurate. Accuracy be damned when you're firing 50 rounds a second. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I right. think you have a really rare assault rifle because I've never seen it. Oh, like good. I've never seen anyone use that gun in game. I've seen my gun several times. That is what I would like if they would show you, you know, when you get the veteran pack, they don't really have any colors that let you know that this is an awesome weapon or it's just, you know, standard for everyone. It would be cool to have some something on there. Let you yeah, know you that. have to get nerdy and, like, compare the stats to, like, old things. <laughs> Look it up. Make up oh. little charts. and Let me just go to MassEffectWiki.org. Well, I guess if you want to look up every weapon you own. All right, Daniel, let's go to your uh, main and tell us about that. Okay, so for my first character, I made an Infiltrator, level 16, um, using the name Galactic Otter. Don't ask me why, it's a long story. <laughs> uh, so my first power that I, I leveled up full is my Tactical Cloak, um, which basically makes me invisible, um, so I can run around and do things like uh, capture points and hack uh computers while not being seen while everyone else is running around screaming getting shot at and then dying <laughs> i love it when you go head to head with a nemesis the nemesis is all tricky like hiding around the corner and like targeting you with its scope and then you're disappearing and you're doing the same thing it's like mirror image back and forth it's a good shootout uh, those are some fun good spectator, spectator uh rounds <laughs> yeah especially when i go invisible and then you know using my sniper rifle which i'll get to to uh to blow their faces off uh i think it's always a lot of fun um so my second sort of power that i i've i've kind of leveled is my cryoblast which has been really handy uh in several situations john can attest to this um it's basically i shoot out like a a ball of, of ice and it turns them to to ice funnily enough um <laughs> freezing them and and making them like immobile so they can't shoot back it's it's really handy for getting those headshots um Especially with a, a heavy pistol. It's fun to um, see them crack, too, and they fall to pieces like ice. Yeah. <laughs> fall to pieces, Ma! <laughs> Although I've you don't get your skill, bloody shot. I've seen that skill leveled up, like, to full, and people it's just exploding in, in bits of <laughs> bloody ice trucks. It's, it's snowing! Awesome. No, that's not snow. <laughs> oh, everybody stick your tongues out! Ew. <laughs> uh, it's an assault trooper! <laughs> So that's probably my next ability that I'll keep leveling up. I I really wanted the tactical cloak to begin with. Um, and thirdly, and finally, uh, would be my sticky grenade, which has come in handy, I guess you could say, um, especially when we get those mechs during a, a battle, because it allows me to spam two grenades on top of the, ma uh, the mech and, and really reduce that armor so other people can get in on it with their powers and whatnot. But yeah, that's my powers. Now, as for my weapons, I'm using the M92 Mantis II, uh, which is a sniper rifle, has 15 rounds, um, only one per clip, so it's a single-shot rifle, um, but it is absolutely marvellous. The damage is amazing, um, especially when I tactical cloak and then snipe uh, a nemesis and their head just goes flying across the wall. Um and that's using one mod, which is, I believe, a uh, uh, 
Uh, let me have a look. It's, I think it's a, a yeah, it's a, a thermal clip which increases the amount of capacity or shot capacity I can have. So usually it's something like um, seven rounds or something, but this gives it another fifty percent or so. So it gives me more ammo with that with that single shot rifle. The second weapon I'm using is a heavy weapon called uh, sorry a heavy weapon a heavy pistol called the M5 Phalanx Two. Um, that gives me I've got two modifications on that. I've got uh, a barrel. Uh, that increases the amount of damage that it does, um, and I've also got a uh, like a, a spare thermal clip which increases the amount of rounds it has. But you know, other than that, infiltrator, great class. Were those all the stock weapons that it came with, like your first round of weapons? Yeah, um, the Mantis Two is upgraded from a veteran pack, um, so originally it's just the Mantis One, um, and the Phalanx One is also uh, just a a stock we a weapon that comes with the infiltrator. So um, I wasn't, I haven't been that lucky. I've gotten a lot of other crappy, useless weapons that I don't need in my veteran packs. Um, Maybe you got lucky in the first draw, and that's why you're always disappointed with the other ones. Because I've never I, seen the phalanx either on other people's games. I tell myself that, but I don't think it's true. I, <laughs> I, think I, I have the predator. <laughs> I think um, you know, Genesee has the predator. And most people I see have, have the Predator one. I'm jealous okay. of your guns. <laughs> <laughs> they are I nice. have like a bunch of Viper um, sniper rifles. I don't know how they compare. But I guess... I think, the, I, have think I have a Viper as well. I think I've got a Viper, which which is the multi-shot sniper rifle. A lot less damage, um, but you can get a couple of multiple shots off, which really helps when people aren't shooting at those Guardians, and I can really line up a shot between that little slit in their shield and get a headshot. Well, I guess I should say it's your turn my now. character now. Yeah. So, um, I picked the Engineer class, which is the one that I played in my single-player game, and I got very attached to it. Um, and so my character's name is C5 Studio, which is what I usually do in all my games, my first character. Uh, my favorite skill is the Combat Drone, which we affectionately <laughs> named George. Yay, George! George runs out, um, finds our enemies. Um, he's fully upgraded now. He shoots missiles and... He looks like a tiny orange Death Star. Yes, he does, and he shoots out little baby Death Stars that explode on people. <laughs> <laughs> Go, George! Godspeed! <laughs> uh, my second favorite skill is Incinerate, which I have that one maxed out, too. Um, it's the most damage I can do to people, and I think it goes through armor, and and it's it's the one skill I have that goes through heavily armored people. Um... And I, I've just started using Overload, which I'm starting to like now. And it works a bit like your Cryo Freeze. Um, it has a high chance of getting people to get tased and electric shock <laughs> shake in place. And that gives me time to, um, to, to shoot them. Uh, my favorite weapons. Um, my first draw was a M96 Metoc, um gun. I think it's up to, I've got it up to level five now with a precision scope and the, the heat sink that stabilizes it. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's kind of my go-to all-around weapon. I think that's what assault rifles should be. You can use it in mostly any circumstance. And I recently got an M6 Carnifex heavy pistol, which is amazing. It has like 36 bullets that can hold maximum. And I'm like, what's the deal? It's... I have, like, no bullets in this thing. It's incredibly powerful. 
and it's like a little sniper rifle. I've been shooting people, and their heads have been exploding. Ooh. Um, and it has a, a precision barrel and a and an, another scope on it, and that is that is the most fun I've had <laughs> using this weapon. <laughs> and just one one or two shots will take anything down. It's just you have to plan out your thirty six shots between reload sessions very carefully. Yes, except an atlas. Yes, well, that yeah, that disappears really fast. <laughs> Alright, so what would you say your favorite thing about multiplayer is? Because I'm really loving it. Um, I could play the demo for a really long time. Uh, even though there are two maps, and that gets a little frustrating, um, the first map is the one that kind of looks yeah. like you have um, modular housing, you know, laid down that's made of metal in the middle of a, you know, a concrete place. It's all sort of a brown metallic look. And we have our place, we called it our house. We hang out and shoot from. We've got the map down pretty well, I think. Um, and the second is all white. There's a ship that you first start. There's a landed ship there, and that's our winter home. So that we we know the maps pretty well for both of them, and I think we've perfected our strategies. Um, but what do you say, like Dan? What's your favorite thing about it? Um, I'd probably say just going up against all those Cerberus guys. It's uh, it. it the, the enemies feel really varied, and it's a lot of fun because of that. Like, you start off with your, your general assault trooper and your centurion, and then it sort of ranks up, and, you know, you've got centurions, guardians, assault guys, and nemesis, and then we get to the big crazy guys, like the, the Atlas mech and the phantom ninja dudes. Ninjas! <laughs> the phantoms ninja! Oh, the number of times we've screamed at ninja, and then freaked the hell out and just started spamming <laughs> buttons at it to try and kill it. Good times. I'm sure my spectator camera looks ridiculous as I'm like rolling around on the ground and it's just stabbing me. <laughs> rolling left when I should roll right, roll right when I should roll left. <laughs> it's, but we yeah. scream at grenade and then you just roll onto the top of the grenade. You're like, it's okay, I got this. Everyone else is dead. <laughs> no! <laughs> you have to take it for the team. That's right. And then we'll just revive you, so it's fine. Except when we're dead. <laughs> well, yeah, except when we're all dead. I don't care that it's just two maps. I'm totally loving this game. Because <laughs> it's, it's totally paced for that like wanton reward scenario. It's like they give you just enough, mm -hmm. and you just want more. It's, it's total game crack. And... <laughs> <laughs> you play just enough, and then you can. You just want to get that twenty thousand credits, so you can buy another gift basket and open it up and check out all your goodies. It's well, you're lucky because you have a sorry. You got an sorry. That was total luck of the drive. Haven't gotten anything good since then. Like it's just giving me weapon upgrades a lot, and I've had a lot. I've I played a lot with my friend yesterday because I finally got him to play it, and um, I must have bought like seven. Veteran packs oh, in the time that we played. Oh, you're going to be so elite today. Oh. <laughs> it's, it's pretty kick-ass at this point. Cheater. Cheater. I have other friends. <laughs> Don't lie. Lies. <laughs> I just made that. It's just me playing <laughs> on constantly. Oh. I like how the... It's kind of random, I assume, the mission's drawn, because you'll be in the middle of an area, and then you know a wave will conclude, and suddenly you'll have to run and disable four dis devices, or you'll have to run and upload yeah. and hack the computer. Yeah, it's a real simple thing that, like, just mixing up that variety, you don't exactly expect it. And the place, it just could... We are essentially doing the same stuff over and over again, but it doesn't feel 
as repetitive as it truly is. Definitely true. And you'll get to the point where you're you're like, oh, I know this, and we've got this doorway cover. We're just taking everybody down. We're mowing down the competition, and then they'll throw that in. Oh, you better travel now because you've got to go to these four locations and disable that. And you're like, oh, crap. So, you know, it does give that extra little, um, you don't get too comfortable with what you're doing, which is entertaining. Yeah. I think you, you that, just can't uh, hide that, in a corner and just, sh- no. you know, shoot at people like people do in Modern Warfare 3. You know? <laughs> it, it, it's, it's not your traditional horde mode. It's basically go out there and do stuff every so often. And I think it really throws challenges out there, especially when we, uh, we had to hack the computer at the ship. Um, that was hell. I don't think we've ever ever really held that position before have we no because six guys i mean that that is where the assault troopers are landing right at the the ship yeah, in the white that's area how they, that's how they screwed us they made the they made the guys spawn behind us which is totally unfair yeah. i've tried that where i had to hack at the computer i think i had two missions like that and they never did that to me on either of those so that was really unfair they <laughs> we pissed someone off on that planet. Oh. Well, it's <laughs> worth mentioning that there are several bugs with this. Um, that probably was one of them. Another is that it seems like uh, at times Dan does not get the experience from the mission, even though the rest of us do. And uh, there's been some UI issues with both of you where you've had problems with your controls, right? Um, yeah, yeah, all the skill bars disappear. Yes. So Mine just didn't update with the skills, that's it. It was just like, hey, level up to level four. Cool, have all these abilities. Oh, wait, you can't use them. <laughs> nice. And I've tried logging out and re-logging back in um, just of the lobby and the multiplayer, and that didn't fix it. And I really had to log out of the entire game and just wait ten minutes and try it again. And and then I could get in. I couldn't even... My, my friend in Japan... He's playing, and I felt like he was on a separate line of servers because, like he said, he couldn't see me online. I couldn't see him online, but oh. we both knew we were online because we were on Skype. Um, so that that can be that's problematic. I'm not having a lot of confidence in Origin right now. If this is how it is, yeah. Well, this is a demo, and it's free, so I can't complain too badly. Considering I could probably play it for the next six months and be happy, but I'm really looking forward to um, this March coming up here when. Mass Effect 3 releases, and I'm hoping multiplayer will have a lot more maps and enemies, which would be awesome. Well, it's not long now, it's only a week. That's only a yeah. week. You I all can't wait. It? What is it, the 14th oh, yeah. that it comes out? No, no, See, no, no, now no, I have to get six. The six. I have to, I have to get the game early now, because I don't want to be left out of the multiplayer fun. <laughs> That's right, well, I'll be playing the multiplayer, and John will be like, I can't play. I can't, I can't have that. I'm going to be... I'm going to just be thinking about it the whole time, because I was totally planning on, like, rebuying the game of the year editions of one and two with mm-hmm. all the DLC because I didn't play all the DLC oh. and you know and get another perfect game set up so I could go let into me, Mass Effect three but I can't now. Right. I let, me, let me let me tell you you're not missing much with the with the DLC for Mass Effect two. Really? Um, I yeah, it was Liara, excellent. I'm, I'm yeah, just gonna say this: Li- Liara is a bit of a bitch. Yes. Just saying, okay. she was a bitch in in in. The stock game, too? No, she was not. She was the love of my life, and then she dissed me in Mass Effect 2, and I can't take yes. it. Yeah, that and was... then she comes back in Mass Effect 3, like, nothing. happened. I know! What's up with that? She's That's what I want to find out. See, I didn't get to play that. Oh, I heard the last DLC, well, not, I guess the second to last, the Shadow Broker one was really good. It was that, really it's good. not. I enjoyed it. Shadow, Except Shadow for the part where you're driving on... your car and shooting all that stuff, which is kind of tedious. 
No, Liara just... Ah, it's infuriating. She's just like, I'm sorry, I can't leave my planet. They need me. Yeah, she's like, I'm the city controller or whatever is the equivalent of the president of that planet. I can't possibly go with you on your mission. Well, is it a case of, like, you hated Liara in the first game, and so she just no. hates you more? No, or she, no, she was the whole like love interest of the first game. Well, no, it depends if that's what you chose. Though. No, in the first game, she was a love interest. In the second game, she was just like, I can't leave the planet, and then you have the option to kiss her, or you can just like be pissed, but either way, she's not going to leave. And I think the, the worst part is, is that it leaves it unresolved. Like you, She doesn't explain why she can't, well, she does, kind of, but she she doesn't. Basically, her plan is more important than your personal mission, so suck it is the <laughs> to, to to save the universe, no less. Right. Just just saying. It's just like oh, she's like I've got a job. To- Stop bothering. I thought she was like James Bond or something, and you know she's no. out saving the galaxy with some secret mission for the Asari. No, she's, no, she's just she's just doing some shadow broke. You know the she's shadow. Like a the crime shadow planet, and she's yeah, she's it. she's like dealing in information. Right. I will sell you information. And then it ends up being like her own secretary is like yeah. a bad guy. I ruined it for you, but just so you know. <laughs> that's, that's how much that's you how... hate Liara. It was just, it was just, um, I don't know. I mean, the, the missions were fun, I guess. But I mean, overall, the story was really crap. I just, I didn't enjoy Shadow Broker oh, at all. Did you like the tally bit, though? I mean, you had a chance to like Mac on tally. You had a whole like DLC mission with Tally and got to spend Oh, time. but I, I like Tally, though. Tally's oh, nice. It's good, right? I mean, wouldn't you get it just for that? But that yeah, well, I'd, I'd play that DLC over again. I mean, that was that was fun because, you know, you actually get to go to her... Um... <laughs> is that the new euphemism? I'll play her DLC. I'll play her <laughs> oh, DLC yeah. Wait. Hey, hey, if I knew what quarians look like underneath, that would I'm totally shallow. <laughs> I, I have a whole segment that I'm going to talk about one of these days on the podcast about why... um about what it's like to have like your main character and then your other characters that your main character likes and how that's really not uh, any way related to your real life in the sense that, you know, my characters are usually guys, although I do play Femshep quite a bit, and Femshep likes Liara, but, you know, I'm a straight woman and I'm like my character's They're really macking friends. on Liara. I know, it's a very weird scenario, but whatever. <laughs> it's all roleplay. We were in college. It was just an, ex- <laughs> it was just an experimental <laughs> phase, Femshep. So sorry. Okay. <laughs> Let's wrap up because it's getting long and uh, I think we want to play the actual game, right? Yes. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of hungry, actually. Okay. All right. Hey everybody, Rabbit here with a public service type announcement. As you may or may not know, Genesee used to have sponsorship for her podcasts, but she doesn't anymore. As such, I suggested to her in the meantime that she could put up a Amazon wishlist. And after many, 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 many messages on Facebook, I finally convinced her to do so. Genesee was very hesitant and uh, felt weird about saying this herself, so... Uh, the bunny will do it for her, and you can blame it all on the bunny, because I said make a list, 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 until she made a list, and so it's all my fault, and you can blame me. So if you have enjoyed her Grey Area podcast, or her Death for Dishonor podcast, or any other podcast she does in the future, and you have found them entertaining, or they made you laugh, or smile, or cry, maybe, 
or made you think about stuff you might not have thought about otherwise. And you might want to return the smile or、uh, good times. You now have a chance to do so through the Amazon wishlist. All you have to do is go to Amazon.com and do a search for wishlist and type in Genesee Gray at Yahoo.com and it should pop right up there. She might even put a link on her site or in the show notes. And when I checked it this morning, gifts range from some books at around $10 was the low range. And then it was a few games that are older games. So they were sort of, you know, mid range price, like around $20, $25 bucks or so. And then it was at least one or two、uh, newer games that are, you know, around $55 to $60. Bucks. And then all the way at the high end was a console system, which she doesn't have yet. And there's a few games for the console. So be wary of that if she doesn't get the console. Obviously, don't get her the games for the console because that would be silly. But if you have enjoyed her podcast and want to say thank you in a way that is not a direct donation of monies, you can do an indirect donation of monies through、uh, getting a gift. You can go to the Amazon wishlist and pick out something and send it to her. Totally up to you. You can go whenever. The list will probably always be there. And you can pick something or don't pick something. Totally up to you. And if you can't afford to send a donation, But you do want to send some appreciation to your favorite podcaster. Pretty much all of us do appreciate getting a little note now and then. Send an email or post on the Facebook page. Let them know that their effort and、uh, work is appreciated. And that makes most of us podcasters smile. Okay, that's it. Okay, thanks. Bye. Thank you to Rabbit for that public service announcement. He's finally convinced me to put in. But I do think it's a really good idea, and it was kind of him to record that. A big thank you to John and Daniel, as usual, Daniel. Awesome. And、uh, if you'd like to leave some feedback or keep up with the news, you can find me on Twitter at Gray Area Podcast, at Facebook slash Gray Area Podcast, or on iTunes. If you have any gray areas in your relationships or just need a new perspective, email your questions, advice, or suggestions to Genesee Gray at Yahoo.com. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next week with a new episode.